0: This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where week after week, we get reporters to talk about their stories, their experiences and of course, their thoughts on what made news, what didn't and some things that shouldn't have. Today we have Business Standard star reporter, Somesh Cha joining us. Hi Somesh. Hi, hello. Welcome to Reporters. And uh, Somesh recently scooped quite a story as he wrote about the National Sample Survey Offices, NSSO for short, NSSO's latest job survey. Uh, The survey showed that unemployment numbers for 2017-18 are at a four-decade high. Is that right, Somesh?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right.
0: And we also have our head of research, Ayesh Tiwari, here. Hi, Cherry. Ayush is super happy today because he won rupees 18 on Google Play.
2: <laughs> My god, are you also, serious? Also, I think he
3: was a little happy because you weren't referring to him by his beat. I'm sure right all
2: now. your listeners will relish that information.
0: Okay, then I should probably give you credit for filing a story that has kept you sleepless for yeah, a night.
2: Yeah, quite.
0: And that has probably turned into your beat. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Regardless of all your claims, no. I knew this was okay. coming up. Hmm.
0: So this is the second time in a row that Ayush will be talking about Harvest TV. Uh also joining us is desk writer Gaurav Sarkar. Hi Gaurav. Hi Cherry. What will you be talking about?
3: I'll be talking about the change in the packaging of channels on DTH operators and on cable TV and what this means mainly for viewers and what are the tries, new policy guidelines that are out.
0: Okay, that would be interesting to know because of course, it'll also be very interesting for television networks, right?
3: Sure, it will. But you know, there's also slight development from Bach. So uh, if that happens, anyway, we'll talk about it once we once we get to the story.
0: Yes, do not give it all away. Dear listeners, before we go into the podcast, just a little news for you. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, CastBox, or any other podcast app, Please do visit www.newslaundry.com to check out our other podcasts, videos, satirical shows, comics and other very nice reports. But sumesh coming directly to you, uh, Neeti Aayog, chairman has, Vice Chairman actually has said that the report that you based your story on is a draft report and uh, it wasn't approved by the government. Mm. So what are your thoughts on that? What's your response to that? I mean, but before you respond to that, could you give our listeners a little context about your story and the explosive follow-ups that you did?
1: Okay, so, uh, uh, you know, it it all uh, triggered with the resignation of two members of the National Statistical Commission, which is a bo- uh, body supposed to approve the statistics produced by the NSSO. So, two members resigned and it was really scandalous enough for them to, uh, you know, put in their papers. And within 24 hours, we produced a news story, you know, giving out the contents of the latest round of uh, NSSO survey on jobs, which for which the resignations had happened because the government was not making it public. So the report showed that the unemployment rate was at a 45-year high of 6.1%, which is quite a lot, I mean, mm-hmm. in that sense. So, uh, and then of course, uh, it became a political story that day. The opposition took it up and the government was firefighting and we did uh, a series of follow-ups on the, our own story. So that happened and on on uh, the NITI AYUX press conference, by the way, I mean, it was one of the most hilarious press conferences i have seen in in the recent times why and why so and uh, because it's given us so much co- content for uh, our daily dosage of laughter right so uh, first of all all the claims that the uh, niti aayog vice chairman was making in that press conference was all bogus and he was rightly called by all the journalists out there i would really appreciate everybody uh, for asking the right questions to him and uh, the the fact that he said that it's a draft report was uh, misleading because uh, the NSC members who had resigned, they are on record to say that the report was finalized by then and it was approved for release on in, in the public domain mm. so clearly it was certainly not the uh, draft report uh, as the niti ayog chairman has pointed out and, and then uh, they were also you know talking about uh, how uh, numbers are not finalized they want to do some more uh, you know uh, verification of the data so that's even more scandalous because why would you want to verify a data after it's been a uh, given the final mm. approval. So yeah, that's which th- that never happens.
0: I wanted to ask, I mean, a body that has been put together, that has been formalized to collect data If that, the data produced by that body needs approval of the government, what does it say about the legitimacy of those numbers? And not just this, if they're saying that they need to approve numbers produced by such a body, then does it not create questions on the numbers that have been released earlier?
1: Exactly. So, I mean, the National Statistical Commission was uh, formed in 2006 as an autonomous body, right? It was uh, the whole purpose of forming such a commission was that uh, the government's interference is not there in, in data and statistics which Mm. are being produced. So imagine the Modi government, uh, you know, giving cabinet approval to their own GDP numbers and which is again a controversial uh, topic that has become now. So, I mean, that never happens and that shouldn't happen. So I don't see any government approval which is required on this report certainly.
3: So, you know Somesh I've read uh, I've read all the business standard pieces and
0: uh, all the business standard pieces I've read pieces? three of them oh really I've read
3: three of them okay
2: so really, you are clear. a
3: subscriber right I have friends at
1: business oh, standard
0: okay
2: wow. I, imagine I, someone I, who wouldn't buy a news only subscription telling you that yeah. look at Ayush imagine saying that he was just cribbing
0: about not being able to access business <laughs> standards report yeah, because he doesn't no I,
2: I wouldn't I wouldn't <laughs> short circuit my way to an article by getting my friends mm-hmm. to give me access if someone got access to a let Talk about by breaking news only
1: subscription like that. But I'll me and my disposed. roommates
3: share like a NYT subscription and all as well. So it's, uh, NYT it's pretty fair. Uh, it's more expensive. expensive.
1: No, but we also give you a WSJ subscription along with the BA subscription. So, great plan. No, this is a great
3: <laughs> plug, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh. <laughs> but Somesh, would you prefer a listener slash subscriber actually reading your story or not reading your story because they? don't get the subscription or they can't afford the subscription? Uh, no,
1: actually, uh, then it all goes down to the business model of journalism. And mm-hmm. I think uh, organically, the best way to for sustaining uh, in today's journalism is mopping funds on their own, like on, on our own and not depending on ads uh, from the no, corporate world. And that from doesn't the government.
0: answer my question.
1: So yeah, so subscribers need to pay us because we need to be independent as sure. is the motive of news laundry. And that's what we want to be. Sure.
0: Thank you. So, subscribers, please do subscribe to News Laundry if you want to keep news independent and free. And yeah.
1: subscribe to Business
3: Standard. Yeah, please. <laughs> uh, so, Mish, so I, what I wanted to know is it's actually two things. The first is, do you have a uh, do you have a mathematical, statistical background yourself? Do you understand?
1: Uh, higher li- have you have s- you studied it? Are you? So yeah, I mean, I would. Uh, no, I don't have a statistical background. First of all. And, uh, when I joined Business Standard, uh, honestly, I was really not good at maths. Okay. I mean, and, and this is one big reason many, I mean, I am, I'm, I'm assuming many people think that journalism is their calling because they are not good at maths or they are not good at mm-hmm. academics or I don't know. I mean, that's how I felt. But, but when I joined Business Standard, I was asked by my editor that, you know, I have to cover data statistics and I just, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. Uh, I was really it was a really funny moment for me because all that I was running away from just came back to me so uh, I started covering data stats for BS for one year and then that that's how I started loving numbers
3: okay and you know so my second question was in like a daily newspaper there's a certain method in which how you go about your day right you first mm. pitch your idea at the first yeah. edit meeting it yeah. gets approved etc can you run us through that day before like your hit go on the story? What what exactly went down in the newsroom that day? Because were you aware that you were sitting on such a big scoop before it blew up?
1: Yeah, so uh, uh, in the first week of December, actually, we had got some hint that this report uh, of the NSO has been given the final approval. Uh, but on the same day... Uh, Ojit Patel has had resigned. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the biggest stories in the financial world of India. So uh, I mean, uh, yeah, so that happened. So we kept chasing the story for almost two months. And the latest trigger being the NSE members resignation, as we have talked sure. about already. After that, uh, the next day when we got uh, the extracts of this report, uh, the, I immediately texted my editor that you know this, I'm, was, I'm, this was
3: this was one day before you all went to print.
1: Uh, yeah, this okay. this was on 30th January. Okay. Uh, so I texted my editor saying you know I'm coming to office with one of the biggest stories under this government. Okay. And that's how uh, you know uh, I texted her, and then when I came to office. I was really guarded about the story because mm-hmm. I really didn't want the story to go out in any way. Mm-hmm. So I was being a bit paranoid as well that you know, even in my these rooms, I, which never happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's a slightest of the scope that it goes out, it would lead to, I mean, a disaster because I've been chasing this story for two months.
3: Mm-hmm. So, what do, so, so what did your editor say at that time when you yeah, spoke to him in person?
1: So at that time, uh, when I went to my editor in chief, he was really, I mean, delighted uh, by the fact that the next, I mean, after uh, the resignation of NSC members, we have the numbers with us. So his immediate response was, you know, file this story as soon as you can because it's going on front page. So he had obviously Mm -hmm. had this, uh, he understood the gravity of the story and And then, you know, I was very nervous filing the story because I didn't want to... Did you sleep before the story got published? Yeah, so (laughs) I couldn't sleep till till 4am and I had to wake up at 7am to tweet out the story. And yeah, so I was really nervous and I couldn't sleep uh, for three days. One night before the story was published... The day and story was published and the next day so was yeah, it because
0: I, of the number of twitter notifications yeah that
1: was yeah I mean uh, the number of followers I had before the story was around over 3000 and now it's clearly more than 7000 so double the followers that I had got since 2010 so one story and that's yeah yeah that's kind of but
0: has there been any backlash from the government apart from the press conference I mean this this story the numbers they do put the government in the dock because they have been harping about how they've been mm. improving the job situation. Uh, even during the uh, state assembly elections, people were talking about how unemployment is like their biggest concern, but the government has been harping about how they've been improving the situation. And this, this story, the unemployment numbers, puts them in a dock. So have you faced any sort of backlash from the government?
1: Uh, not really, I mean, uh, no black uh, backlash as, as yet, I mean, but But what I would like to point out right now is that, you know, I think the government has scored a self-goal. Why I would say uh, that is, uh, you know, the unemployment numbers were not available, the legit unemployment numbers were not available to us since 2013. And Mm. that was for the survey of 2011-12. So uh, after that, this is the first, uh, uh, you know, uh, comprehensive survey on jobs that we have. So the government has um, why I say it's a self-goal by the government, because by hiding the numbers, they are kind of admitting the fact that their policy could have led to a rise in unemployment. Even otherwise, I would like to say that maybe the unemployment problem was there even before this government assumed power. Or when it was in the transition so But this
3: was a government that ran on job creation in 2014 Exactly this was yeah, wa- yeah. That was one of their main points in exactly, 2014
1: Exactly, that was one of the main promises but It's say. also worthy of noting that
2: the us, the They put the Neeti Ayuk front to try to debunk the claims made by your story because whenever they have to put up a political response to such allegations or the findings they usually put if it Ravish comes Shangal to Prashad? yeah, if, so mm. if you have to ridicule <laughs> people you put Samit Patra <laughs> if there is high rhetoric you put this fellow Nirmala you just named Sitarama? exactly and when it's they have to seem a little sophisticated it's Arun Jaitli but they knew that they, can't, they cannot seriously put a political front to the that kind of you know statistical data that your story repeat. and therefore they tried to get the experts on but Niti Aayog again I mean do you remember at the media rumble uh, Vivek calls presentation where he showed how Mr. Kant who is the president CEO who is the CEO of, of the Neeti, Neeti, Aayog. Neeti Aayog actually you know cherry picked data no no pun intended cherry hmm. <laughs> cherry picked uh, data and misrepresented many statistics so people actually or anyone who's been following Niti Aayog knows the kind of record they have they're just a planning commission given a Modi Kurta but it wasn't convincing, it is what I have to say.
3: Was there, uh, you know, Somesh, was there any kind of official communication between you and Rajiv Kumar you know that happened on the side while all this was going on maybe after the
1: first story broke no actually not I mean I haven't been in touch with him for this story particularly yeah he's been
3: pretty vocal even in the press conference yeah even on Twitter.
1: I think he dug his own grave in some sense because he's been involved with this whole data mess or mm-hmm. I would say right now since he has assumed power mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's taken charge of the Niti Aayog mm-hmm. in August last year so so first controversy was related to the GDP back series numbers where you you said, you know, uh, they just revised the figures of the previous government uh, tenure. And now, you know, the government, of, of course, you know, put him under the bus. So I think, yeah, so he dug his own grave.
0: Taking Ayesha's question forward, who would have been the appropriate authority to respond to the numbers because niti ayog
1: exactly so for this i think the appropriate body is n- uh, nobody else than the ministry of statistics and program implementation so that's the uh, authority who should give us all the right answers you know so and that you- i think i think i think the government t- did it really carefully i mean they didn't want statistician to answer the questions of the media so they put see, a
3: guy from the government exactly so.
1: exactly. so that you, they can easily deviate from the whole thing.
0: so when you were filing the story did you reach out to them for a comment about no, the numbers no I,
1: I didn't reach out to them for the comments because I had the numbers in my hand so there's no other uh, detail I had required and the fact that uh, the government is not releasing the numbers i think they mm-hmm. should have answered it in the next press conference which happened but they didn't so you no know, we
3: had a similar conversation the last time we were recording rwo when we were talking about cobra post reaching out in the morning for comment hmm. so you know i just wanted to know where did where do you all stand ethically on this
0: I think here the story is, in Somesha's case, the story is document dependent. So when you have a document, I think he's right when he says Mm -hmm. that he didn't really require a comment. But in Cobra Post's case, I think it was just a chance, just like an opportunity to the accused of financial scams so here he's not accusing the government of a scam he's saying this is what the numbers say and these are the government numbers
3: in fact here i think the bigger story is that you're not letting out the numbers itself so you know yeah, why, would, so why would i reach out for comment when i have the numbers exactly
1: and, and exactly i didn't want to reach out to them for the uh, for the numbers a uh, comment for the numbers because i didn't want to alert them first of all and second uh we reached out to the government the day nsc members resigned and we Press this question to them that why aren't you releasing the report? So that question we had already put forward to the government and they had already responded to that. So that's what we had always wanted. Ayush, you want to weigh in
3: on this one?
2: I think it's something that you can do with and you can do without because as Cherry said that there is a data that this very credible and rather reputed institution has produced. Mm-hmm. And if you have access to it, then I mean, that that makes the case for itself. Mm-hmm. You know, those numbers, those those figures don't lie. So getting a comment, not getting a comment wouldn't make a difference because you have the data which no, I mean, makes then You its can own make case. the same
0: case for DHFL, which is that you have the numbers, you have the documents in your hand. The difference is... That is a private company that you are accusing of a scam. Here, it's the government and it's the government's numbers. So, I? do you yeah, want to I, th- come I in?
1: think uh, And you, in the DFHL case, you're drawing a conclusion that it's a fraud. So, when you draw such a conclusion, then you have to reach out to the person yes. and get, see the comment. Here, we are not drawing any conclusion that it's a fraud. Or because you have the numbers. Yeah, we are just reporting on the numbers uh, on based on the reports which we have got from authenticated sources. So, so Since
3: we're talking about the numbers, yeah. there was another thing that I wanted to ask you was, so I think after the first story, you all did another follow-up where you, where you all used a method called current Can weekly...
1: It is. Yeah. yeah,
3: which is a different method of calculation, yeah, yeah, yeah. which shows that the. Uh, Gaurav, the un-
0: could you just? Elaborate either the two of you. Could you just explain this method because okay, okay. I think so. should be the right person? Well, yeah. So current
1: them. weekly status. Uh, actually, there are two ways of measuring employment and unemployment uh, under the um, by the NSO. Mm-hmm. So how they do is is that uh, they are, they follow the usual status approach and the w- current weekly status approach. So in the usual status approach, the surveyor goes to every household and they ask them that what were you doing in the last 365 days. So this is but basically the over the span year. of a year. Yeah, is in they, the span, they of a span of a full year because in India the, the seasonality of jobs can, cannot be ignored. Like sure. A person can be employed for three months and cannot be employed for the rest of the nine months. Current weekly status approach under that the survey goes to households and they same survey and and the survey asks the household uh, of members, what were you doing in the last week? Were you employed or not?
3: So in the current weekly status, if I'm not wrong, the story said that the unemployment rate went up by three points. If I'm not wrong. So, it goes up to about 8.1% if you use the current weekly status. So, does this mean that whether you look at it from a long-term point of view or a short-term point of view, the the job, the the, the drop in the number of jobs is still undeniable, right? Basically, exactly. no matter which method of evaluation you exactly.
1: use. Exactly, So,
3: d- did this sort of, you know, did this blow up as much as the first story did? Because… Because yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that uh, there was a, there was a certain part when the Niti Aayog vice chairman spoke, mm-hmm. where he said that these that the method used for evaluation is not correct. Nah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So
3: sure. if you're like going to use an alternate method as well, which shows that. It's now that if it shows that the number is going to rise and not even go down, Mm. doesn't that also count as a self goal, you know, as, as as what you were saying? Exactly.
1: I mean, the second story mainly uh, told us what the impact of the government's decision on of demonetization and GST was on employment. So that is more telling about the government's uh, failure in terms of providing jobs. Uh, uh, when you look at the two policies that they implemented under their tenure. And actually, we did a th- three-part series. And the third story in that series uh, actually is even more telling. I mean, it says that, you know, uh, more than half of our working-age population is either not working or not seeking any job. So, or has just lost a job. Yeah, or, you know, that counts as unemployment. But here, people are either not looking out for job or are not working anywhere, so I'm not willing to work anywhere. Okay. So, so the fact that India has such a uh, huge amount of youth or young population, as mm-hmm. we can say, and India is not able to utilize that, it's a big, big loss for us. I don't know if you guys remember
2: this, but this is not the first time such a thing is happening. I think in, when Modi was the had just become the prime minister, UNICEF had. Produced a report saying, showing how the economic policies followed by the Gujarat government during his tenure were very, I mean, remarkably anti-poor. Stats like you know, forty percent of the population was defecating in the open. There was huge amounts of stunting in in among children, and it had and UNICEF, being UNICEF, you know, was polite, sent the report. It had produced two Modi government for clearance. And of course, you don't expect Modi to report that. And Modi never withheld the publication. I think they don't uh, approve the report. And Economist magazine scooped it in 2015 and it finally came out. So there are some sort of precedent to the way I think any government would react to, you know, out of the most basic political instinct of dishonesty. But on another point, I think you should put your mind to another data that should be, I think, revealed big time. There's a caste census that the Manmohan Singh government had uh, carried out. I think it was called the socio-economic and caste census, SECC, which will have even greater implications. Because This is most, more or less political and economic. But any caste census, I think the last one was 1931 is what we use, right? So after 1931, that's the second census we can use to, you know, Build our policies I mean, and economic.
0: Not just the caste census, even the NCRB data is not being released. So, when it comes to actual hard numbers with which journalists or just, let's say, people can hold the government to account, it's not being released. And so, Mesh's story just shows one bit of that. But, Aish, coming to you, what did you think the media underreported? What did you think the media overreported over the last week?
2: I think there was a rather comical story that uh, only two publications carried. One Hindustan Times and the other, I don't know if it's even a publication called My Nation. And the story was, um, wink wink, the story was that uh, the Kerala government, which had, I think on 18th of January, barely a month ago, two weeks ago, had submitted a report saying that 51 women had entered Sabriyamala temple since the Supreme Court order. Yesterday, in speaking in the Kerala parliament, I think they said they have proof that only two entered. So there are no 49 women. But what, the uh, if you look deeper, it shows this rather comical process of finding out which women entered. Mm. So it turns out they fudged some numbers when it came to the age of so the women that entered. Which is fine. It's age, you can miss that. But the most funny bit was that there were some men which had... Names that sounded very, you know, female. So who
0: fudged the numbers?
2: The f- they didn't fudge the numbers. Let let me take that Misinterpreted. back. Misinterpreted. They probably just blundered. So if a woman is fifty five year old, she admitted she's is not fifty five. She's forty eight. So that is rather careless and you know erroneous.
0: No, I meant. The government uh, had said that there were 51 people who had right, entered. Right, And who's this group that has produced this list?
2: The gr- there's no group. The minister of the Kerala government, speaking in the parliament yesterday, I think in the state parliament, said that there e- the proof of only two women entering. The rest of them, some of them are men with female names. So, you know, it's like oh let's see who all made it to Sabrimala and you see Kiran and that Kiran is you know Kiran Nagarkar and you say huh Kiran Bedi hogi <laughs> and that must be a woman so they, they did silly things like that and I thought there was rather comical and should have deserved more coverage but this Hindustan Times was the only one that covered it yeah wonder why it's a little surprising but yeah
0: I just find it odd no comments
2: I find it odd too <laughs> to be very honest <laughs>
0: Okay, I don't know as much about it, so I'm just going to reserve my comments on the issue. But uh, Gaurav, coming to you, you were following the changes in Trace policy. Could you tell us about what these changes are, how they are going to impact people, and what does this really mean for the network owners?
3: Sure. So, we, we put up the piece yesterday. So, you guys can read the entire piece on newslaundry.com. Uh, it talks about the change in policy guidelines uh, that Tri had implemented and which kicks in from February 1st. Uh, for everyone who consumes a lot of television content, try says that we're trying to make TV content consumption more affordable. So what, so just in like layman's language now, instead of buying entire package deals, which you can also do as of now, but what try has done is now that you can opt to pay for singular channels instead of buying a 30-channel sports pack, you can actually just opt to buy ESPN and 10 Sports because that is where you watch most of your football or your cricket on. So just to give the listeners a certain backdrop to the piece that I wrote yesterday, um, for about 130 rupees a month across dish TVs and cable operators, for about 130 rupees a month, which is your base price, you will be able to avail 100 FTA channels, 100 free-to-air channels out of a pool of 534 FTA channels. So there's a total of 534 FTA channels or usme may say you will get about, you will get exactly 100, but this doesn't mean that you can't swip and swap. So if within the first 100, I'm getting say channel X, right. I can take the channel X, put it back into the 534 pool and take channel Y from there. But there is also another separate category called paid channels. These channels go anywhere from between rupees one to rupees sixty per month. It's important to note that all this happens on a per month basis, whereas a lot of people previously used to only subscribe to the annual packages. Especially if you know you have a big family, you'll have multiple TVs. Uh, you'll subscribe to the mega package or a family package, which includes everything. So with this hundred rupees now, uh, you will be able to get a base of hundred channels. And say you want to avail one twenty-five channels or one fifty channels. So for every twenty-five channels on top, you will have to pay twenty rupees a month. Think of this as like buying a a slot of airspace, you know, which you buy, you pay 20 rupees for, and then you can fit it in with 25 channels of your like or dislike.
0: But wouldn't this create... Wouldn't ever fit
2: anything of my dislike though. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) Wouldn't this create a disparity in viewership between the free-to-air channels and the paid channels?
3: It would create a disparity, which is why, you know, it was speculated back in December that... A lot of the channels had come together and said that we don't want to adhere to a BAC ratings. Let's black out BAC. There was an economic times piece that was written back in December foreseeing this because the deadline for implementing this try guideline was January 1st. Then it got pushed to January 31st. The disparity you're talking about will come into play if you're comparing one free to air channel with a paid channel because those are the two broader categories. But if you compare FTA to FTA, it'll pretty much remain the same. If channels opt to be in the paid category or if DTH operators are putting them into a paid category, it's happening for everyone. So, you'll have to compare two players in the same category to probably arrive at that conclusion.
0: No, I'm asking this in terms of viewership numbers, right? Viewership numbers are not based on which paid or unpaid category they are in. For example, from my understanding, Republic is free-to-air. Yeah, it is. And NDTV, CNN, India Today, they are not Mm free-to-air. So, these... Which rank in the top five or mm-hmm. let's say top ten of English TV news, there there will be a steep disparity in viewership numbers. Correct.
3: So what what you're saying is that the smaller channels can't piggyback on the bigger channels like how it used to happen earlier. Just because because I used to get Republic earlier, right, on my TV. I used to also get Times Now, CNN News 18, etc. But now since try is thinking from a consumer viewer point of view, they want to make the entire thing more affordable. So the the main the at the crux of it, we're talking about users, shell- viewers trying to shell out money, hmm. which is why this bark blackout that was foreseen back in December is justified because operators are not really happy that you can now pay for only two channels, but earlier you used to pay for an entire package.
0: So first, what do you mean by smaller channels piggybacking on... The bigger channels.
3: I mean, if I, nobody watches ABP Bangla news at my house, I still get that channel on my this and I'm charged for the entire package. So because I buy an entire package, I am exposed to the smaller channels as well, which will not happen now, which explains why smaller channels are unhappier with this decision, which explains why DTH operators are not really happy because, you know, it's it's lesser money. I, and, and if I'm not wrong, um, one of them is currently embroiled in a suit in court with, uh, with try as of now as we speak. Uh, Another important part of the story was that uh, in in spite of this change in mechanism there has been a lot of pushback from viewers themselves who have been calling Dish TV who've been calling Den and saying that hey I don't know how to figure this out because I have a family and you know we have been subscribing to the same plan what happens to my annual plan that started that started last year you know do I have to change that are you going to refund me money there are also big gaping holes like what happens to me if I have multiple television sets and multiple connections at home? What happens in that particular case scenario? So all this is left gray as of now because people are still trying to figure out the system and how it actually works on I their mean, TV
0: implementation the rollout has to be faced. The implementation problems definitely would exist. but I want to go back to the policy question I mean a policy any policy for that matter is designed taking all stakeholders into account. Mm-hmm. So it cannot just be on the viewers, right? If the television networks are not happy, if let's say the cable operators are not happy because it is eating into their profits and the rating system would be affected. I mean, how well thought is this policy or how well thought
3: is this quote unquote rule? You know, in fact, it's it's pretty weird that uh, the mainstream media didn't pick this up at the end of last year itself because it's been blowing up since November end. And the deadline itself has been increased twice. Bark, is unha- Bark was supposed to be unhappy about it because they're going to be blacked out from the ratings. Private players' channels are unhappy with it. Cable operators are unhappy with it. But at the end of it, if you have the goodwill and sentiment of your viewers from a agency point of view, I guess like you're still taking home some brownie points.
0: But from what I understand, viewers are not happy either.
2: I mean, regardless of all the big words and snobbish arguments you guys go back and forth on I think it's rather tragic that all this comes out at a time when people have like stopped watching television to begin with
3: well I don't think
0: people have you stopped you are part to... of news laundry, you are on the harvest beat, you cannot <laughs> be talking about people have stopped what watching kind, what television what kind of a news?
2: slur is this yeah, saying guys, that so i on harvest beat.
3: beat is harvest TV from now <laughs> even you Amit, <laughs> I miss you <laughs> But uh, no, Ayush, I don't think that everyone doesn't watch TV anymore. Yeah,
2: yeah, I'm I'm sure. I mean, only it's us, the upper middle class where, you know, access to internet on a very fast scale allows for, you know, minimizing our television consumption. But I'm sure in suburban towns or in non-metropolitan cities, the television, television consumption is still high.
0: The television and radio's reach is massive. But I want to bring Somesh back into the discussion. We were just talking about media's coverage of Trace Policy, how did you think the big media picked your story?
1: I think uh, uh, it actually, uh, the follow-up was really good, I, I feel. I mean, uh, all the newspapers had it as a front page lead and uh, all news channels except the Republic TV as expected didn't I'm run it. Then. Even Times yeah. now had a show on it. So so I would say, uh, but but I would, one f- feedback that I got on Twitter was that uh, Hindi newspapers did not quite pick it up, so that was one uh, feedback, Why and I was really sad about it. But the regional papers, like uh, there are some Bengali newspapers, I know that they picked it up really well. They wrote editorials on it. So yeah, it was some mis- mixed response in that sense.
0: Why do you think Hindi newspapers didn't catch the story? I really,
1: it's really baffling to me because uh, any talk, any story on unemployment or jobs. Is a hot topic and discussed in uh, in drawing uh, rooms uh, when it comes up, right? So even my, how I mean, I would really admit that my. Parents, they really don't read the thrash that I keep uh, uh, writing all day long. But this story same really caught their attention. Sentiment it really, is mutual. Exactly, so it really caught their attention, and they were re, re, really astonished by the numbers themselves. So, uh,
0: talking about media coverage, you also made it to Harvest TV. How was that experience?
1: Yeah, it was a really f- a fun experience. Uh, th- that day, I didn't know that they are going live, and that was the first day they were, they were supposed to. Uh, but I got a call from them and they wanted me on the show. Uh, I couldn't go to the studio, but uh, yeah, a camera came into my office. So, it so print
0: journalist on TV.
1: Yeah, it was quite an experience. It was the first time that I was on TV channels. I am mean, like, multiple channels on the same day.
3: Hey, mom, I'm so, on TV. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. So I quickly messaged all my folks, you know, that, you know, look out for me and all that. Because my parents were like, you know, me do you go to TV? me do chahiye. to TV? Where do you TV? news do to So
0: that probably answers Ayusha's question about the reach, about people watching or not watching television news okay
2: you're still stuck up on that (laughs) now But I think uh, that the fact about uh, Hindi media not covering it, I think the kind of uh, even because we follow Hindi media quite closely. And I've noticed that you can't make predictions about what Hindi media will or will not cover. You can say about Republic, of course, what they wouldn't cover, right? You can make predictions. But Hindi media is rather surprising. I remember when Anand wrote a piece on how the Hindi media covered the 377 judgment, the coverage was rather progressive. And to be honest, called me elitist, but I didn't expect that. And I was rather surprised because of that. Then they don't pick up this story you're talking about. I, I think when the Sonu Nigam controversy happened, when he claimed that the Azan in his neighborhood was too loud at 4 a.m., mm-hmm. he was invited by all media houses. Hindi media didn't bother to pick it up. So I've noticed it, there's some sort of. Inconsistency? And gap of knowledge that needs to be filled about why Hindi media covers what it covers and why it doesn't cover what it doesn't cover.
0: I but don't think if I can call it gap of knowledge, it could be just different news priorities. So Ayush, speaking of Harvest TV, tell us more about your beat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, uh, highly amusing, Cherry. So, um, I mean, in all seriousness, my story, which has not been published yet, will be published by the time this podcast is out. I wanted to focus not much on on the whole Barkha, Karanthapar and Kapil Sibbalwala harvest that has, you know, seeped into the popular imagination now. But what about the harvest that existed before this? The Harvest TV before these people, famous faces came into the picture.
0: But the famous uh, faces are on HTN. They are not even on Harvest.
2: Yes, and there's a reason for that. But if you see the YouTube or on the TV, the Harvest logo is still there, which is the authentic logo. So before this harvest came into the picture harvest tv was a kerala based christian news hmm. you know channel and i wanted to know how they fared what is the background history of this channel and fortunately the founder of the harvest tv which is the previous one and when i say harvest tv in throughout this explanation i mean that one uh was in delhi on sunday because he's here to seek legal opinion regarding all the fuss that he's been in and i met him and it turns out that uh So, last week we said that they had the license, VCon's license under which they operated, they got out and Sybil jumped in. That is, even though broadly correct, it's rather an oversimplification. The backstory of this is that these guys gave an NOC to VCon, saying no objection objection certificate to VCon, which owns the license, saying that... uh, we don't mind if you use Harvest TV name. We don't mind if you use Harvest TV logo. And they gave this in 2016 saying this is valid for two years. Now, most probably...
0: That means it expired in 2018. 18. In
2: January of 2018, it, it, it expired. And um, so this was only for two years. But soon after they got this NOC, that is WeCon, they filed a permission in the Ministry of Information and Broadcasting saying, here's the NOC. We want to run a channel And we'd want to change our previous channel, which was some Hindu devotion channel, to Harvest TV. And this is the logo. They showed the NOC saying this channel doesn't mind. Now, the ministry gave them the approval. Now, the only problem is, the NOC says two years. But the ministry's approval does not have a timeline. So... If you were to interpret it broadly, you we have... Can technically still technically use it. Technically, you can have it forever because it doesn't stay till when you have to use it. Now, that is the source of all the problems here.
0: But then the company in question, which had a two-year understanding, can sue them.
2: It can sue them. But as I said, I met the guy over the weekend and he is not the richest guy in the world. I mean... As opposed to Wecon Media, based in Delhi, as opposed to Barkha, Karan, Kapil Sibal based in Delhi, powerful people. These guys are from Trivandrum, and they run, run a Christian platform. Most of their revenue comes from the Pentecostal Christian Church in Kerala, to which they sell their prime prime slots. And... Now they've given this logo, They've the VCon has gotten a permit from the information broadcasting and they're using Harvest TV and these guys can't do that because they've built up a company for a decade now, they've built up a reputation and a goodwill and suddenly you see Barkhadat on the TV using their same logo, you know, without any acknowledgement and even the stories that the Ken did and the story done by print mentions the Kerala-based Harvest TV, its mm. former avatar just in passing. So these guys actually are not given a lot of acknowledgement even in the press. So my story tries to bring that out of what is the story of this guy? What is his problems? To be very honest, he's been very naive. He's the easiest guy to con in the world. Even though VCon hasn't... Is
0: that what you did to him, Ayush? No,
2: that's what VCon could have done to him. Even though they did it to only a small extent. Just joking. I mean, they made sure that, you know, some of their fullest decisions turned out to be foolish towards the end and now it's i think a lost game he can't fight the case
0: i do want to ask you what does he have no objection to what is happening at htn
2: objection in sense what
0: them using harvest's logo
2: of course he has an objection but he the ministry has given them an approval and To be fair, VCon also wants to get off the Harvest logo. They have applied for a logo and a name of Tiranga TV in September 2017. The Ministry of Information and Broadcasting has been sitting on it for what? 18 months now.
0: But uh, wouldn't the ministry require this person's approval, Harvest CEO's approval before they give a no objection certificate?
2: No, but wait. So the Harvest guy has given a no objection certificate. They saw that. But they didn't put a timeline to it. That's the problem. Now, only thing that can clarify is when this guy goes to court. But he says he doesn't have the money to do that, given Delhi, the mm. you know, legal scene sure. in Delhi. So he's a poor... Some deep inside Apple. into
3: Harvest TV, actually.
0: So if you want to check that story out, visit newslaundry.com. And you can also find our other amazing podcasts like Awful and Awesome and Hafta, which is behind the paywall. And Ayush has no gripe with it.
3: Not on the record at least.
2: So that's a
0: wrap for today. So guys, do you have your recommendations ready? Ayush?
2: Yeah. um, One podcaster to another. I think uh, Amit Verma's Seen in the Unseen. He did two episodes with Ramchandra Guha on Gandhi. One Gandhi before India and one Gandhi once he comes back to India. I think especially the second part. They were excellent and everyone who listens to this podcast should listen to that one too. Second being non-political, nothing related to news, but this very cool series, Korean thriller series on Netflix called Kingdom, which is about zombies. And if there's one group of people who can make better zombie movies than anyone else, it's the Koreans.
1: Cherry's not impressed by that recommendation. Cherry's not I impressed don't... by most of the things. God I'm Ruff. just
0: not impressed by you. Somesh, what's your recommendation?
1: My recommendation this week would be go and watch out Band snatch Black Mirror Band snatch It has multiple possibilities, so it will keep you engaged and and it will spook you by the time you get multiple and the most spooked out ending. And you all can tweet and to
3: Somesh saying whichever ending you all got and discuss, you know, which yeah. ending did I'm he get. I'm sure <laughs> I the
1: ending I got, nobody else has got. I, as of now, I've, I've discussed it with, with many friends. That's French also a scoop. Yeah, that's also a <laughs> scoop. <laughs>
0: Gaurav, what about you? Uh,
3: so I would like to recommend this piece on the wire written by Indira Singh. It's titled, CBI's attempted arrest of Kolkata police commissioner was an attack on federalism. Calcutta has been in the spotlight, you know, ever since Sunday evening. And uh, it's actually been nothing short of a film in general. With
0: unprecedented th- to put in TV news's words.
3: Very unprecedented. And I remember that th- this Sunday was actually going slow in terms of the news cycle. And then this just popped in in the evening. But this article is important because it talks about, you know, how if, if there is a crime that happens in two states, it's a, if it's an interstate crime, the second state does need the permission of the first state to take over the case. Indira Jaising also brings to light some very important things like uh, India does have a federal investigating agency, but we don't have any crimes that fall under a category called federal crimes. So why have a federal investigating agency in the first place?
2: I happen to have a friend who lives just opposite uh, to the police commissioner who CBI tried to arrest and he was sending me pictures from his house and I thought it was seemed like a battle scene to be honest. CRPF against state police.
0: (laughs) My recommendation is a book called My Frozen Turbulence in Kashmir. It's by Jagmohan. I have just started reading it to understand what was the governor's role when the Sort of in the aftermath of the Kashmiri Pandit's exodus.
2: Thank you to everyone who listens and writes to us. If you have some feedback for us, love, criticism or concerns, you can tweet to any of us or write to us at contact at newslaundry.com or to me at ayush at newslaundry.com. Also, a big thank you to everyone who is paying to keep news azad and independent and to others. Please, please, please do subscribe because when the public pays, the public is served. And when corporations pay, governments pay, and advertisers pay, they are served. To subscribe to News you can visit our website, newslaundry.com. Do subscribe to us or to any other independent news organization. Especially Business Standard. That's right. Of your choice and happy subscribing. Also, a big thanks to the man behind the scenes, Parikshit. This script has obviously been written by Cherry. Thank you, Anilji, also for recording the panel.